Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. I want to jump into something um, that is a um, somewhat of a thought. And uh, it's in John um, chapter 17. John chapter 17 and verse, uh, and verse 20. Before we read it, I want us to um, look at these verses with, with um, somewhat of an expectation or um, if you like an appreciation for what a blessing it is that we have these few verses that we're about to read. Because have you ever heard people say before, and it's true because Scripture tells us that that He's interceding, that Jesus is interceding for us. You heard that said before. That Jesus is praying for us. Like that's a cool thought, isn't it? How many people are grateful that Jesus is praying for us? And I've heard that many times and uh, but 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 not often do I sort of think. I wonder what he's saying. You know what I mean? Have you ever thought that before? I wonder what Jesus is actually praying for me. And I wonder if the same things that I'm praying for are the same things that he's praying for. And so I'm so grateful that we have these next few verses that we're about to read because these verses here are actually a prayer that Jesus prayed while He was here on the earth and He prayed this prayer in relation to us. So if we have that question, what's Jesus praying, then we can read it, we can read the answer. And so let's have a look at these and let's see what Jesus chooses to pray for you and I. It says in John chapter 17 and verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. So this is us. Verse 21, that they all may be one as you Father are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. In verse 22, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. The verse, the prayer goes on for sake of time, we won't read it, but those few um, verses that we read uh, set up somewhat of a theme that, that flows throughout the rest of the prayer that Jesus prayed. But I'm so challenged when I look at that prayer and I compare the prayer that Jesus prayed for me with the prayers that I pray for me. Because I'm not sure about you, but I have to be honest, what I pray for me doesn't really sound much like that. Shall I read it to you again? And let's see if, if your prayers sound like this. 
that they all may be one as you as the Father in me are one and I in you and they also may be one in us. When you read it, thinking, you, you come to it with this expectation of what's Jesus praying for me? And then you read something like that and there's a part of me that feels really let down by that prayer. Because with all of the difficulties and all of the challenges that we are all facing in our lives, this is the best that He can come up with. Because when I, when I look at my prayer for me and Jesus' prayer for me, it's in stark contrast, I have to be honest. Where's the, where's the favour? Where's the blessing? Where's the breakthroughs? Where's the miracles? Where's the provision? Where, where's? You want me to read it again in case we left something out? I in them and you in me and us in. That's it. This is what's closest to your heart for my life when it comes to prayer. And I'm so challenged by it and I begin to look at my own prayer life and I begin to really intentionally unpack the way in which I pray um, with a sense of humility, presenting it to God saying, God, maybe the way in which I'm praying is not really the way you want me praying. I've got to be honest, sometimes I find prayer really difficult to do. And I know you don't, but for me, I do. And I'm a pastor, we're supposed to know how to pray. But I've got to be honest with you, sometimes, and maybe it's just my personality, I mean, I'm a little bit ADD and I sit down and I have my prayer list and all of the things that I'm believing for and all of the things that I want God to do and I start working my way down the list. And I start praying over one thing, but, but I'm sort of praying over one thing and then I sort of sit on it for a while and I sort of keep praying it and then I sort of run out of things to pray and then I go on to the next thing, but I didn't really feel any breakthrough in the last thing. And now I'm sort of praying on the next thing, but now the next thing, and by this time a few minutes have passed and now my mind's getting distracted and now I'm thinking about the day. And so I'm thinking about one thing, praying about another thing. But then while I'm thinking about one thing and praying about another thing, the part of me that's thinking about something else is starting to get worried and anxious about the thing that I'm thinking about that's happening later on in that day but I'm trying to keep myself disciplined and focused on what I'm praying for. So I focus on not thinking about that, but the more I focus on not thinking about it, the more I think about it. And so what I think to myself is I think what I need to do is I need to get that thing that I'm thinking about and I need to grab that and put that thing on my prayer list. So I get up and I go and find a pen, but then I can't find a pen because my kids take my pens and they colour everything in the planet with my pens. And so I can't find a pen. And so I get a pencil and then I write that thing down. But then I'm ADD and I didn't write it neat enough. And so I rub it out and then, and then I do it again. And then I wanna add it to the list. And then by the time I've done all of this, not only am I thinking about something later on in that day, now I'm thinking about something later on in the year. 
And this sort of cycle sort of goes on and then I look at my sort of watch and 30 minutes has passed and I'm like, okay, thank you, Jesus. I just give everything to you in Jesus' Name, Amen. (laughs) And I've got to be honest, it's not often that I walk away from moments like that feeling refreshed. More often than not, I walk away feeling frustrated and feeling like everybody else has a prayer life, but I don't. And so what's the, I guess I wanna share surrounding this thought, because this was what kept plaguing me after I read Jesus' prayer for me is, the thought that I wanna share is what's the purpose of prayer? What's the purpose of prayer? And I think that's really a great question for us to ask. If it meant enough for him to say that his house would be a house of prayer and he tells me to pray without ceasing, I think I need to know the answer to what's the purpose of this thing? Because I think we've got it wrong. I think as we read what Jesus prayed for us and we compare what we're praying for us, I think when we see the stark contrast, we are faced with the reality that maybe I'm focusing on a wrong purpose that's different to the purpose that He had for what prayer is supposed to be. And so I went to to Jesus. And so I started looking at Jesus' life and the example that He was in relation to prayer. It's a good place to start whenever we wanna know how He wants us to do something. Let's look at how He did it. And so as I I looked and and I unpacked Jesus' life, and it's, it's relatable to our lives because, and this is what I love about God choosing to become flesh is Jesus faced obstacles. And he faced challenges. So I can relate to, to him in that. And so I wanna look at, okay, how did you deal with them? And, and what was your prayer life? And what did your prayer life look like in, in relation to challenges that you faced? So when life sucked for you, Jesus, what did you do? Because when life sucked for you, you did this. And I wanna do the same thing, right? So I started to look at it. And so I looked at Jesus' life and... Every time he faced a challenge and every time he faced an issue and every time there was a need or every time he went to perform a miracle or bless somebody or deliver somebody. And as I started to, to, to read it, I, 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 I actually got a little bit puzzled because every time I read of Jesus facing an issue and facing an obstacle, I never once... And hear me when I say this and I'm gonna explain it. I never once saw Jesus actually pray about or for anybody or anything. If you don't believe me, which many of you don't, but it's okay, I'm secure enough. Let me me point out to you what what I'm talking about. The first miracle that Jesus did, John chapter two and verse seven, it was turning the water into wine. Do you know that He never prayed for it? 
Do you know what he did? He said, fill the pots. And so they fill the pots and then the water turned to wine. Stay with me, we're gonna go somewhere. The official son in Capernaum. The, dude, the dude's son is messed up. Jesus does not pray for him. Do you know what Jesus does? He said, go your way, your son lives. Cast out an evil spirit. He didn't pray, he just spoke to the spirit. Mark chapter one, verse 25. Jesus spoke to the spirit and said, be quiet and come out. That's not a prayer. Peter's mother-in-law. Oh, surely pray for, it's Pete's mum. I mean, dear Lord, like pray for the poor woman. Like have a moment, you know. No, you know what he did? He said, be healed. And he just, it says he just put his hand on her, put his hand on her. And he spoke to her and he just said, and you know what happened? You guessed it, she was healed. How frustrating is this guy? He doesn't pray and things are just happening. I'm praying my ever loving little heart out and nothing's happening. I'm so frustrated with him right now as I keep reading. This gets worse. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16, there's so many sick people there, it doesn't even identify one individual one. It just says many sick people. And then he said, he cast out evil spirits with a word. Okay, so he just again does the same thing, tell the evil spirit to go. And it just says, oh yeah, and by the way, all the sick people were healed. Okay. Do you want me to give you a few more? The miraculous catch of fish. Luke chapter five, verse four, you know what he did? He said, I just fish on the other side. Oh, okay. And a miracle happens. Listen, he's not even trying. Don't you hate people (laughs) that don't even try and they do better than you? That's Jesus in this. He's not even, you can go and check it. Send me an email if you find one. I promise you, you will not find one time, one time when Jesus faces an obstacle and prays for it. The only time that even comes close is when Jesus faces the tomb where Lazarus is in the tomb sick. Jesus definitely says a prayer, but He does not ask God the Father to raise Him up. He says a prayer and in fact, his prayer can be interpreted like this. He says, God, I'm saying this now, I'm talking to you now just to show everybody here that I'm doing this not in my strength, but yours. The prayer finishes and then Jesus doesn't pray. He just speaks to Lazarus and says, hey, bro, get up. Lazarus gets up. You're excited, I'm frustrated. Because I'm fasting and I'm hungry. (laughs) And Jesus didn't even try. And so as I looked at it, 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 I wrestled with it and I was asking the Holy Spirit, what what is the, there's something here at church that I think we're missing. There's something here in relation to prayer that I think we've 
not that we've got wrong, but I think we've settled at a level that He wants to take us so much deeper in. Because as I look at all of the things that Jesus did, the, the way in which I describe it is, it's almost like Jesus just seemed to, stay with me because it's such a basic way to explain it. But it's almost like Jesus just seemed to flow, isn't it? And you, you see that in all these stories? In fact, He flowed so much that He would even just sort of be walking and a woman would just sort of touch Him and she would get healed and Jesus would be like, oh, wow, that's cool, who are you? It's like, bro, hang on, like power's just sort of literally spilling out of you? Like, what are we talking about here? Give me an example, Jesus, in Scripture where there is a need, there is an obstacle and, and I see you on your hands and knees praying and seeking God and believing for the breakthrough and then it comes because that's what I'm doing. And I wanna find an example where you're doing the same thing that I'm doing because then that'll give me some hope. But I don't find any. And then I'm challenged because I remember that it's not my job to modify Jesus to fit my way of doing things. In fact, I'm supposed to modify myself to fit the way He did things because I'm not the potter, I'm the clay. And so these stories in Scripture, I think for us are an invitation by the Holy Spirit to beckon us to take a step further and actually ask Him, God, what is the purpose of prayer? If you didn't even do it when you had needs, then that says to me that prayer's purpose is so much greater than the obstacles I face. Because when Jesus faced obstacles, He didn't even do it. So I started to look at when did he pray? I mean, he had to pray, right? I mean, he's God. Like, what sort of example would he be if he's not praying? Every single time you find Jesus praying, it is never once in the presence of an obstacle, but it is always in the presence of his Father. Every time. And you can go and look at the examples and every single time you will find Jesus went to a solitary place alone to pray. Jesus took Peter and John with Him alone to pray. Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. And then I realised something and I landed at this, at this place where for me it's, it makes sense and it's changed the way and hopefully for you maybe it will too, the, ch the way in which I pray and what my focus is when I'm praying. Because I think we have, have done a disservice to one of the most, if not the most critical 
thing that Scripture tells us to do and most critical thing to our walk with the Lord and that is a consistent, healthy prayer life. I think we've done a disservice to it when we've reduced it down to just what He can do for us. And I started to think about what makes a prayer powerful? You know, years ago when I first got saved, I used to think that if you prayed louder, that made it more powerful. But then I heard some elderly little old ladies in the church that I grew up in praying and it wasn't loud, but I knew there was power in it. And so that caused me to think, oh, it's not volume. And then as I matured a little bit in the Lord, I remember hearing somebody pray that used great words. You know, like people that pray in the King James Version? It just sounds so much more spiritual, eh? And then I heard them praying and I thought, wow, that's, that's, it's, it's gotta be the words. It's, it's gotta be something that's so deep and theologically sound. And I thought that, and I remember thinking that until I heard my son at four pray. And I remember being in a situation, not even knowing what to pray myself and saying to my son, Luca, why don't you pray for us? And I remember my son, Luca, just praying, Lord, I pray that you would help us today. And I remember even just those little words from a four-year-old that, that were not theologically deep and they didn't involve big words with lots of syllables, but I felt a power in it because of the simplicity of just a childlike faith and dependence upon God to help us get through that day. And then, the, so that dispelled my idea that maybe it's powerful words. And then I thought, well, maybe it's, you know, you've got to feel it. You know what I mean? You know, I just need to feel it. But then, you know, we know and in our walk with the Lord, you can't, some, some things you don't feel. So I thought that doesn't make a prayer powerful. And so the only place I landed at was I thought results. You know, I thought that's a powerful prayer when things happen. I don't care how you pray it. I don't care how loud it is. But if you're praying for me, do whatever you wanna do. Shake, rattle, roll, spit, roll on the floor and do a handstand if you want. But if something happens, then that to me is powerful. But then I remembered the story in Scripture when Jesus went to minister to people in His hometown and it said that He could not do any mighty works. So Jesus was there facing an obstacle, facing a situation and guess what? Nothing happened. So then I thought, even results don't make your prayer life powerful. Because if they did, then Jesus didn't see results in that moment, which would mean that Jesus' prayer life wasn't powerful. And I'm not about to say that to Him. So I was stuck. If it's not all of these things, and if it's not even results, then what's the purpose? I started to think about everything that we're doing when we pray and everything that we're doing when we fast. And then it suddenly occurred to me 
And I'll just get straight to it for sake of time. But as I read through Scripture and every time Jesus prayed and every time He stepped aside to pray, it suddenly occurred to me that Jesus' focus in prayer was not results, but His focus in prayer was connection. And then as I began to unpack that thought and study that, that thought more in Scripture, I actually realised how powerful it really is to our life and what fervent, effective prayer really looks like. That the focus of Jesus' prayer life was not to get results. The results were a byproduct of His connection with His Father that happened in prayer. And as I started to consider the way in which Jesus told us to pray, things started to make more sense. Because Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, He starts off and He says this to us. And if you blink, you miss it. He says this to us. He said, this is how I want you to pray. I want you to pray and I want you to start by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your Name. And the enemy has come in our modern day society and so attacked the father figure in the home that it has caused us to miss the revelation of what it is to see him as a heavenly father and the connection that creates in our walk with him. It's no coincidence that the enemy has come after the father figure in the home like never before. Over 80% of incarcerated individuals, both men and women will say, this day will say that they have no relationship with their father. Because when we understand Him as our father, we then receive through that connection, we receive the revelation of His protection, of His counsel, of His guidance, of His security of the validation that comes through my heavenly Father. And it's in that moment when I utter those few words, but we're so quick to move to give us this day, our daily bread. And if you break down that prayer and unpack every single thing He tells us to do, you will see that give us this day makes up less than 10% of the prayer. Yet for us today, it makes up 90% of our prayer life because we are so focused on our list and we're more focused on our list than than we are our Father. Because I, I tried it this week and I prayed that Lord's Prayer differently and I never got past those few words Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your Name. Because when I started to say, hallowed be Your Name, I was so humbled at how good He is and how faithful He is that everything else on the list after minutes and minutes of seeking Him and understanding Him as my heavenly Father, everything else on the list, I was like, God, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Because now I've connected with the Father. I know now in your presence through connection in prayer that you've got all of this. And if I remain connected with you, 
If I remain connected to the source, when I encounter the obstacle, your power will flow. And things will happen in and through my life that I don't even have to ask for the same way you Jesus never asked for it. Why did He never ask for God to do anything in the face of such an obstacle and opportunity for breakthrough in people's lives? He never had to ask for it because He was so in tune with the Father's will and the Father's plan. That what was in Him flowed from Him without Him even trying. And that became my prayer. Even praying for the message today. And I prayed and I said, God, as I was going through a sermon title and little points and little things that we try and come up with to create this sermon that everybody's gonna like and everybody will clap for. And at the end of the day, I sort of put it all aside and my prayer was, God, I just wanna flow with Your presence. Because if we do not flow, if we are not connected to the source, we will do things in our own strength. And our own strength, it is so pathetic, but we continue to be impressed by it. And we'll tell people about it and we will boast it and we will tweet it and we will post it, everything that we do in our own strength and God the Father gets no glory from it. In doing that, living that way would be like trying to use a garden hose that's not connected to a tap. It would be stupid, wouldn't it? In fact, when I left this morning, I saw my hose in the, in the corner of my front yard. And so I, uh, I grabbed it, I threw it in the back of the car. It's green in case you didn't see. It's quite a bright green. I picked green because I thought it would match my garden, but it does not. <laughs> I went to buy this hose a while back from Lowe's. I said to the guy in there when I walked in, I said, I need to buy a hose. Where's your hoses at? He said, come with me. So we went to the, the hose section. There was 374 different types of hoses. <laughs> and me and this dude stood at the end of the aisle and he looked at me and he just went, what colour do you want? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. And we were sort of laughing about it like a little bit because really it's like, who cares? Because the colour's not going to make a difference to what it does. If it's not connected. But sometimes I feel like our Christian walk is sort of like this. I feel like we worry so much about the colour of the hose. And, and I feel like we, we sort of go around showing people Hey, bro, look at this. So cool. I might get a pink one too. And I honestly feel like 
that's how we sort of pray a bit too. And I feel like we're, we're, we're sort of praying for things and we're doing all of the things and we're fasting and we're trying and we're going and we're ticking every single box, but there's no connection to the source. And because there's no connection to the source, there's no power in our life. And we have to understand that everything that, every instruction we're given, because yes, He tells us to pray. Yes, He tells us to fast. Every instruction in Scripture is only truly understood in the context of relationship with the Father. And if you take the instructions outside of the context of relationship, it becomes religious. Because the Pharisees prayed and the Pharisees read the Word and the Pharisees went to church and the Pharisees were passionate. But it was outside of the context of relationship, which is outside of the context of connection. And doing that would be like trying to water your yard with a hose that's not connected to the source. And so you know what we do? When we go down that walk with the Lord and then we learn this, we like try doing stuff and it's not working. You know what we end up doing is we realise, okay, I need more, something's missing. You know what I mean? It's like something's missing my life. So I gotta get to church. So all right, I need some, I need some more power in my life. I need some more fulfilment. I need some more peace. It's not happening. So we're like, I'm gonna go to church to get it. Do you know what that's like? That's like saying, all right, let's do this. And we say, the worship, I'm gonna get the worship and I'm gonna fill up on that because it is great. And Sean is amazing. He's single too, ladies. I got you, bro. Ladies, you can send all of your applications to the church and I will review them and filter the psychos. I should not have said that, I'm very sorry. It's funny because it's true. Listen. And so we get, we get, Sean, okay, Sean, worship team, worship, and it's amazing and it's real and you feel something you get a bit of worship. And then you're like, Ben, you're gonna preach a good message? I mean, I'm gonna try. Okay, Ben, preach. It's the Word of God, so it'll work. Even if I screw it up, God will make it good. Pour it in there. And then good people, because good people are part of it all. And people and service. And then you know what we get? And we use this terminology and I just don't think it's healthy. I got something for the week. I got something for the week. And I know what people are saying. It's like people will say to me, man, that's a good word. That's gonna get me through the week. And, and I get it. And I know what you're saying. And I appreciate it. But part of my heart thinks, bro, is that, is that the, the level of vision you have for your life? A word for the week? And then we use 
what we encountered on Sunday. And it does work and it will flow through, but it's not gonna last long. And then we get to sort of Thursday or Friday and we're like, geez, when's church? Wish they had a midweek service. Because then if they had a midweek service, I just wouldn't have to come as hungry on a Sunday because I don't need enough to get me from Sunday to Sunday. I just need to get enough from Sunday to Wednesday. We come back to church. Oh, pastor, you better preach. They're like, oh, he offended me a bit because he said crap. So I'm gonna focus more on this one. And now I've got enough. Oh, it's gonna be a good week this week. Yes, sir. And you know what? Maybe you get so much that you even witness to somebody on a Monday. And they're like, what's God? Oh, God's doing great things in my life. And you're just pouring out because you got poured into on Sunday. Problem with is that you're gonna encounter people in your life that need Jesus, not just on Sunday. They also need Jesus on a Friday. And if they come to you, and you're just living off the encounter you had Sunday by Friday, you might be out. And this is how we live in our Christian life. Until we get challenged or offended. And then we go to the next church and we're like, all right, load me up. And we do the same thing again. The best thing that a church pastor, preacher, worship leader, small group leader can do is not actually to pour into people, but it's to point people. It's to say, listen, don't just take the sermon, take the Word and connect to the source. Because if you connect to the source, you will never run dry. And it won't matter what is going on in your life, you will be connected to an everlasting source that is always ready to pour out. But if you focus your prayer life upon needs and things you want and things you're believing for, you'll miss out on the connection. And if you miss out on the connection, there's no flow. So what's the purpose of prayer? Connection. If I don't connect with Him in prayer, I never leave refreshed. And I hate to say this, but when He tells us, present your request, which is true, some of you are thinking, well, are we not supposed to ask for anything? Yes, you are. But it's not supposed to be the focus. And if you do it in the order that He tells us to and you connect with Him first, a lot of the things that you were planning on asking for, you'll find you're not worried about anymore. But when it does come to presenting the requests before God, because He tells us to do that, present your request before God, According to His Word, what does He say He will then do for us? If you present your request before God, then the peace 
of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. Do you know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say that He promises to answer your requests. And that sucks to hear because I want things answered. But isn't it interesting that He promises me then a peace that surpasses my understanding? That maybe He knew how self-absorbed Ben was gonna be. And maybe He knew that when I came to Him and I presented my requests and the things that I wanted Him to do, He didn't do. Maybe He knew that I was gonna need a peace from God that was gonna surpass the requests that didn't get answered and remind me that even in the face of unanswered prayers, I can still depend upon and lean upon the peace of God. Because more often than not, it actually takes unanswered prayers for us to really, truly lean upon and value His peace. Because too many of us find peace in answered prayers. And the challenge for us this week, as you pray, the challenge is are you connecting to Him? What good is time spent with someone in any type of relationship if there's no connection? And when it comes to the Lord, it is the very height of religion to tick a box saying that I spent time with Him, but you were never really there. It would be the form of godliness, but no power, no source. The last little point that I wanna give you, because I do wanna do this, is when you connect, when you do sense that connection, how do you get that connection? Well, humility is great. Obedience is great. All of these things lead you to this place of connecting with Him. But when you do connect with Him, you know what can happen? Imagine I connect that finally. It connects. And then we, we have this connection with God. We have this moment with the Lord and it's a personal moment and it's real. And now it's time to, to do something with it. And we get ready. Well, all right, I'm connected to the source. And then we, we get ready to go do something. This is, uh, let me tell you something. There's two types of people in your street. There are people whose garden hoses look like this. And then there are those incredibly annoying people who have their hose neatly wrapped up on a little wheel that is mounted to a wall and they wind it. I swear my neighbour does this to me on purpose. The other day I was gonna, I, was, I needed to water the path and so I got out my green hose just because I wanted people to see it from the moon. So I got out this 
pose and like I'm pulling it out like this. As I'm doing this, my neighbour comes out and goes up to his little wheel on the wall and he's just like this. I said, Lord, curse that man and his home. Jesus name. But it made me angry. I was so determined. I'm like, hey, bro. I'm trying to be a Christian, you know. But then I, I, I finally pulled the, the whole hose out. It's turned on at the tap. I'm connected. And I'm like, I look at him like ready to just, and I'm like. And then I look at my hose. And there's no flow. And there's no flow. And it's not because I'm not connected. But you know why? I got kinks. Now I've got stinking kinks in the flow. And as connected as I am to the source, as long as there are kinks in my life, the power of the source will always be limited. And so, you know what I do? So I stand here. Do you know that there is no, I don't, I don't care how skilled you are or how frustrated you get. Have you ever done this? How many of you have ever done this? I promise you God is my witness. I am in my front lawn playing jump rope with a freaking hose trying to get rid of kinks. I'm literally like this. And as much as I try to do it by myself, I cannot get rid of these things. Because the only way to do it, and for me, this is how I do it. Luca, come here. Get, I'm gonna turn this on, turn that that way, turn it around. And it occurred to me as Luca was doing it, James 5, 16, it says this, put on the screen. It says, confess your, what? What about we say it like this? Confess your kinks to one another so that you may be healed. What are the kinks? The kinks are the issues, the sin in our life that as long as it remains, it's not that God is not there for you. It's not that there's not power supplied to you, but it is that the flow is not clean just because of the kinks that we allow to remain. And according to James, the best way to get rid of kinks is to get people to help you. Confess your sins, confess your kinks to one another so that you may be healed. It feels like it should say confess your sin or your kinks to God, doesn't it? feels like that's what it should say, but it doesn't. Because we confess our sin to God for forgiveness. People can't forgive us, only God can forgive us. You confess your sin to God for forgiveness, but you confess your sin to others for healing. 
This is the power of community. And for many of you, it's not that you're not connected. It's not that there is not power in your life, but it is that there is not a natural flow just simply because you got kings. And if you would surround yourself with the right people in 2023, if you would get in a small group, if you would allow people that are maybe further down the road to speak into your life, maybe they could help get the kinks out so that you would flow. Because you know what? I can get these out right now and get someone to help me get them out. But if I go to pull this hose out tomorrow, guess what? Those stinking kinks are gonna be back there because we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God and we're all messing up every single day. But if we don't have a good system on how to get the kinks out, we will always live a life that is restricted and you will never operate in the fullness of your purpose. The purpose of prayer is not results, it's connection. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.